and welcome to Women in Confidence with me, Vanessa Murphy, HR expert, confidence coach, and now podcaster. This podcast discusses all things to do with confidence in life and in work. And this is a podcast for women who want to learn what confidence is, how to obtain it, and how to maintain it, and learn how confidence can help you grow and flourish. Every week, I introduce you to amazing women who have interesting stories to tell about confidence. Through their stories, insights, hints and tips, you realise that a lack of self-belief or low self-esteem is common and also very human. But by listening to them, you'll take away what they have done to show up confidently on the inside as well as on the outside. Before I introduce you to this week's guest, I just want to put a shout out to say that I am currently sourcing guests for season four. So if you know of any amazing women or you are one yourself and you want to take part in the Women in Confidence podcast, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Okay, so this week, my guest is Olivia Brito, and she is an anxiety expert and senior clinical hypnotherapist. She helps people stop their self-doubt anxiety worries and become so comfortable in themselves and their abilities that they can relax, be calm, able to present their best selves and speak confidently without overwhelm or stress. Olivia helps her clients live a richer life where they can finally start reaching their potential and build a more fulfilling successful career. She achieves this by using evidence-based powerful techniques ranging from hypnotherapy, conversational hypnosis, cognitive behavioral therapy mindfulness, relaxation, and rational emotive therapy techniques. Hello, Olivia, and welcome to Women in Confidence. Thank you for joining me today. Hello, how are you? I'm really, really well. I'm really well. So could you tell people where you currently are recording from? Where are you currently based? I am south of England. Uh, in a very greeny, foresty area in West Sussex. And respect to you, Olivia, because you're recording this at, um, I don't know, just sometime after 10 o'clock at night. So thank you very much (laughs) for joining me at such a late hour. We are a different time zone completely. So um, we do these sort of ends and starts of the day. So thank you very much. And I, I really appreciate that. Olivia, I always ask my guests this, and I think this is really important lead into the, co- the conversation about confidence. What does confidence mean to you? To me, it means having the certainty and the clarity in your ability with the task that you're presented. It could be a decision. It could be something that you are saying or about to say. It, it could be something that you are making, doing. So it's, cert- it's having the certainty and the clarity. It's been that come. It's an inner knowledge, and I hear that a lot about this sort of inner inner mm. knowledge or really knowing yourself. And you work with a whole bunch, a range of clients. And just to clarify, so you you focus or specialize in work anxiety and also clinical hypnotherapy. Is that correct? Yeah, that that's right. So it, it's a it's a very good fit for me. I've been in corporate for I don't know the last twenty years. I made my way up to managing a company and building it up from scratch into a a million dollar company. Well, two million dollar company, but from zero. To me, that is that that is a lot with from from zero with my own resources after having worked with uh, blue chip companies and some of the biggest households household names uh, around the world. Um, around marketing and conversational development, uh, but I I always 
had a passion about developing people about what drives us about our strengths my you know when you go to an interview interview and they ask you about your weaknesses it always something almost always felt wrong like why why do you want my I'm not going to tell you my weaknesses. What are my weaknesses? Why don't we talk about instead about how I can do this job, you know, to better than you think or to my best abilities? It, it makes sense that to me and now focusing on areas that produce anxiety in the workplace, such as my weakness. Why does everyone want to focus on the weakness? I My, my approach is completely different. My approach is, okay, everybody has weaknesses. But guess what? Everyone has strengths and the strengths are a lot easier to build up, are a lot easier to capitalize on, a lot easier to optimize and to multiply because they are natural to us. So just be aware of your weaknesses, bring them up to the minimal level, but focus on your strengths. So so that's the work I do. And that is related directly to, to confidence. And you work predominantly with women? Yes. Uh, and not it's not something by design. It's, it really is not. But women, we as commonly or as a whole, we it is us who have the need or seek more uh, therapy, especially psychotherapy or hemotherapy. So it's more women who we are more primed to develop ourselves and to to be in touch with this self-development or go and have, there's something with me, I'll find a coach, I'll find a mentor, I'll go find a, a, a therapist. So yes, mostly with women, but but I, I work with professionals. That would be my, my niche. Mm. And work anxiety, as an expert, I mean, what comes up with your clients or patients? What's showing up, particularly, I suppose, now with the current situation with the world? What do you, What's showing up for your clients? Well, there is always a, a, a general theme. Um, although in my in my practice, I do not ever, ever make an assumption that there is one root cause that is the mother of all um, ailments. I, I don't think that's necessary, you know, cure your inner child. I do not subscribe to that notion that there is one cause that everything happened in your childhood or everything can be cured by this or that uh, in the prescription. But what I do see is that what I call the symptom is that's usually not really the, the real problem is um, around work anxiety is about I don't feel enough I don't I have self-doubt I know I can't do it but I also don't know if I can do it so it's it's almost like you can't have both either you know you can do it or you don't know you can do it but we do have it I have felt it myself obviously I have you know, I, I, of course I can do it, but at the same time, you are doubting yourself that there's a self-doubt. So usually it's, it's around self-doubt, not being that comfortable in presenting your voice as in your thoughts, your opinions. It's about fear of being judged, fear of what others may think. And then all these symptoms, general, general symptoms can mean then people eat too much or exercise too much or procrastinate or they have sleep problems 
or they develop what they think it is depression or they they cannot hold a job for more than x number of months or they feel frustrated because they they are not getting that promotion and they're not getting that promotion maybe because they keep quiet in meetings or they're not building their their internal visibility in 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 the in the business which is essential in a business it's, it's essential not only that you do a great job but that you that other people the right the right pair of eyes know that you are doing a great job that's how people get promoted mm. and if you don't have the confidence to to speak to share your opinion in public outlets as even it could be as simple as a, as a meeting then it becomes increasingly difficult mm. so you said something there that I just want to ask you a bit more about and you said um not being enough so people mm-hmm. are saying they are not enough. Help me understand that. What what do you understand by not being enough? Um, I think it's mostly. I think we we mo- everyone has it to some degree, and not it doesn't apply or rarely it does it apply to every aspect of a person's life. No matter who you look at, no matter who you are talking to, and at which level. Someone at one point would have felt or is feeling that I'm not that good enough. Maybe everything looks amazing in the material world, in the finance, but maybe they are lacking in some of their personal relationships. Or maybe they are lacking in some of their their physical health. I'm not good enough. I'm, um, I'm not tall enough. I'm not short enough. Or I'm too short. You know, when we start looking into the generics, I'm not. Uh, and now with the advent of, of social media and, and Instagram or the influencers, I don't have enough likes. Nobody likes me that much because I, I, I get very few likes. I'm not pretty enough. I'm not handsome enough or I'm not um, wealthy enough. It would be, you know, is this constant comparison to someone else's reality, which by definition will be entirely different to your own. And where do you start curing that or even starting to take steps in a positive way to start feeling enough? Um, there are many ways of, of doing it. Um, I think there are a few. few it's, a, it's a very strong realisation for one person to be confronted with the notion of, Maybe I am not good enough. It's it's a very it's very very confrontational to uh, to admit that to oneself. So people usually don't come to, to my office saying, "Oh, I'm I'm here because I don't think I'm good enough." It, that that rarely happens. Usually, it, it's not. It doesn't happen. It you know, it only, it comes out as we are talking in therapy. Mm. Yeah, maybe it's when because that's what that's one of the layers. That's part of the core. So how those people, how 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 would people um, approach it or get better? First thing, pretty much in everything in life, is awareness. Awareness, awareness. If you don't have the awareness, you cannot change what you don't know. It's wrong. So there's a there's a saying I I forgot. 
<laughs> what's the saying but the saying goes that 50% of the problem what 50% of the problem is knowing there's a problem 50% of the solution is knowing there's a problem mm-hmm. so if you don't know there's a problem you 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 can't do anything about it the other 50% is finding ways to do to do it some people may are better equipped to do it on their own and these are the people who who may do maybe reading self help books may start meditating on their own some people need all the help they can get and i'm one of those <laughs> um i have done pretty much everything i feel like i've done everything i have invested so much um in in and that's in in my life like in so many respects so so much so many um and so many times and that's part of my strength mm. my self development self development is a strength and then another strength would be self uh, it would be nourishing others you talk a lot you've said you've tried lots of practices and different ways about self development why did you feel you needed to develop yourself um that is a, an excellent question i i always felt well one of the things is by association so i saw my mom she would always be trying all different things one day would come with a book with oh i found this metaphysics or i found this book about conversations with god um and i always like reading since i was very little so i would hear and w- i would see her oh i'm taking this course on on healing healing with energy and and the chakras and and now i'm taking this course uh, um but she was always doing doing this she was on her own path on her own journey so i think by i i think by association like again like pretty much everything most of what we who we are now is the the cumulus or the sum of what we learned from our par- our parents those are our beliefs for example are, are not really ours is not original content what we believe it is it's been mostly passed down onto us and then we modify it and then we 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 discard and we keep whatever suits us so yeah i think i learned it from 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 my mom and and i always had this drive for feeling better for being happy that i remember when very very when i was a teenager i would just wanted to be happy i wanted to i had the curiosity does it exist does it really is can, can you be happy yes i think you can that's another of my strengths that i have um i'm up i'm optimist <laughs> so i am an optimist so that's i'm not very resilient but optimism is my one of my strengths yes i think you i was convinced yes i think you can be happy so i i don't know some people seem to need less some others we need more more time to process more time or i i don't know every everyone is different but i think from from my mom well, we'll come on to in a minute all the different things that you tried, but I want to go back to something you said around beliefs. And you said that sometimes the beliefs are not even ours, and yet we keep them. Yeah, good and bad, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and and help me understand that. So, where do they? How do we sit with those? How do they become part of us? Those beliefs that we've picked up from being, I don't know, a twelve-year-old. 
yeah well beliefs about ourselves we start um we start forming it in early childhood so by by the time we're 12 the idea of oneself is one and then it's about to change again as we was we uh, enter into the teen days teenage um years so but by by 12 we already feel at ease or not within ourselves we already display signs of being confident or on most areas of our lives or just in one or maybe not in in none um so by by 12 we already were pretty much set in who we are at our core and then that's as the brain keeps developing that's that that continues to change until we are a young adult around 21 22 years old that's when the the brain uh, finishes that um, maturing in in sense of the neurons and the transmissors and, and, and like physically, mm. um, but and but how is beliefs are formed by repeated thoughts? So you think about something, and then that becomes a feeling, and then that feeling makes you do something. And then it's, it, it, you think about it, you think, you feel, and then you act. All in synchrony. The more you think that, the more you know how you are going to feel about it or that it's going to elicit the same feeling. And then you're going to do, again, the same thing. And then it reverses to the point that the, you start creating your own stories about how that belief is is true. For example, uh, oh yes, I'm telling you, I'm not lucky. Now, do you see? Did you see what happened to me? Because I'm not lucky. I'm telling you, right? If something happened, bad happened to you, this so you start defending proactively your belief, and in that defense, so you in that defense of your belief, you reinforce. The cycle you reinforce the thought feeling action belief so then everything else that can fit into that narrative you learn or we learn to justify or we learn to say to make sense of that of course of course with my bad luck what else could i have right for example in in in, in a negative example so, so that's, yeah if you can yeah. if you're telling your stories you're negative stories to yourself or you have a belief that is negative conversely then you can tell yourself positive stories and you can generate positive beliefs you can generate positive beliefs um but the process is slightly different to generate stories about positive beliefs you need to have that positive belief in you already Mm. otherwise it just doesn't work doesn't it doesn't work if you repeat all day i'm rich and rich i'm wealthy and rich and wealthy and rich it just you're not going to become rich and wealthy just because mm-hmm. you repeat it no end because then it's and the latest studies on that shows that it's actually harmful because your you your subconscious your conscious mind say no you're not <laughs> they just say no you're not and now you're lying. You're trying. You're you're lying to us. So it 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 does more damage than 
than than than give up a benefit. Mm. So the process in installing a new a new a new belief is is different. So you you can intervene. You can intervene in, in different ways. So remember is a cycle of thought, feeling, and action. Thought is in is in our frontal cortex. And it's this is our modern technology, if we can say it as a human and um, Homo sapiens sapiens, that's our modern software here in the inner frontal cortex in our forehead. Now we have our feelings, and that because it's a modern technology, it overrides the the previous version, the original version, which is our feelings, which is our fight or flight response, which is our our instinct, our you know when is where your subconscious lives when is when you say oh my god did, did i say that aloud you know i was just thinking i don't I, I didn't mean to well that is that is your unconscious then. so then your feelings live, live on the on the back of on the top of your neck on the back of your your head and then together that will naturally create a behavior it will those will cause you to act in certain way to do or to not to do, to smoke or to not to smoke, to to have the confidence and go and shake hands with everyone and smile calmly, poisely, or to go and hide in the bathroom away from everyone, right? Depending on that, but you can intervene. It usually starts with the thought and then you change feeling and behavior. But you can also change what you do. You can say, okay. And one quick way to, to change what you do is simply by breathing, for example. That changes what you do. That changes immediately, calms your thoughts down, and has a, an immediate calming effect in your feelings. Just by intervening the physical behavior. It requires practice. It's not overnight in, in, in that way. If you and everyone can do it. There's little little things that become big things that you can that if you adapt them, they can be really powerful and they you can be certain to rely on them to to help you when you use them consciously and with purpose. Mm. So you talk about breathing and being really aware of it. I suppose most people just think, well, I just breathe and I survive. So what sort of breathing are you talking about that helps you take control of what's going on up in your head? Um I think even um even just be conscious that if you are in a situation when you are beginning to feel anxious or you are already in in an anxiety place where you are not feeling very confident where you maybe need to speak up in a meeting and then you 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 are feeling all all these uh the, the jitters of of doing it the fear the oh my god you are in that process of thinking and feeling if you just calm down by breathing in and out so even if you do it Three seconds, you breathe in, in three seconds, and then hold it for three seconds, and then exhale for three seconds. 
you can do that anywhere. Mm. Nobody will notice. You can do it as many times as you need to. And that will that will have an immediate calming effect on all the anxiety signs in your body. That'll help that will provide oxygen to the brain, which will keep your mind clearer. And it will pace you uh, slower because when we are in a moment of anxiety, we don't realize, but we start breathing in more shallow and quicker. And then we can't, that doesn't provide the best um, scenario for, or best setup for our, our own voice to be projected normally. I'm not even saying with, with strength or with any trick or with any, you know, amazing public speaking um, skill. But just at your normal voice, it will, it will come out as a very, 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 very slow or quirky. I, I don't know. So. So th- these are things that we can always incorporate because these are simple but very effective tools. Mm, and I love, really like the fact in this podcast we can share just simple and effective tools. So thank you for that. Now I want to rewind a little bit to um, when you said you tried lots and lots of different techniques when you were growing up. Give me some examples of things that you tried, um, perhaps that didn't work and things that did. Um. It's difficult to know what didn't work because everything compounds. Mm. So it, I, I would say that, and it depends on where you are in that certain point of your life to be open and receptive and uh, the compatibility that one technique or this or the other can have. But I can tell you I've been to to retreats obviously I've been to so many um, brain training I'm doing it one right now which to me is the best thing ever unfortunately it's only offered in Spanish <laughs> and in Mexico well no not it's online so anyone can join but it's only in Spanish they're, they're doing talks to to see if they can offer it in English but to me is to me is the best thing like on earth on planet earth like the best thing. And I've done ayahuasca, San Pedro, so the psychedelics, mm-hmm. which are also, it's another magical, beautiful topic that can, that if used correctly, it can, it's so powerful. It can transform your life, not mm-hmm. on its own, but with the right guidance after, with the right therapy, especially it's just, it's just amazing. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It is an experience um, in itself. It's just, it's just magical. I've been to Tony Robbins many years ago to walk on fire, to walk on fire. Oh, I can tell you that about confidence and about self-doubt and about this, what we called, what we talked about last time, the imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's not really me. I'm not really that good. Oh, no, I'm, you know, discrediting your own achievements so I went to these Robert Tony Robbins and you do walk on fire and and you are in a kind of um group hypnosis state everyone is like super hyper and everyone so you have to lend yourself completely to the exercise and be there leave your thoughts and oh no whatever out and just 
be immersed. It's almost impossible not to be immersed. So then you are out, you go. And then I could, it was, I think I did it in March. March in the UK, in London, still cold. It is a spring, but you will, you would be forgiven for thinking it's not because it's still very cold. So we were marching at midnight, um, in the middle of midnight, in the night, and you could feel, you couldn't see where the, the cold was, but I could feel, you could feel, we could all feel the, the warmth. Mm. And we were already walking without shoes, bare feet. You have to, then you go to your assigned pit with your coal. I saw that two people before me, they refreshed the, the hot coal, the, the, the very hot coal. So I was like, oh my God, is this just fresh? It's almost like fresh hot. <laughs> it's newly hot coal, so it's not going to be warm. It's not, it's, it's not, okay, I'm not going to think about it. I didn't want to think about it. In the end, I, my turn and you really need to be in automatic and they don't let you dwell on it. Make your move, make your move. I made my move. I walked through the fire. And as soon as I touched, I, as soon as I did, the, I, I took the first step off the, 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 the fire. I looked back and I thought, ah, that wasn't real cold. I could feel the warm. I could feel it. I could feel it. I was seeing it myself. If I had touched it with my hands, I probably would, would have burned it. But I said, no, that, that wasn't. That was probably plastic. I don't think I was able to do that. Who what? was able to walk on fire? Not me. And I just two seconds ago had done it. Mm. What was telling your brain then that it couldn't have been you and it wasn't real? I think there are many um, instilled false beliefs. And it is my personal belief that we women have it the worst. We women, hopefully not the younger generations, <laughs> but at least people from my generation, uh, we have uh, an extra burden because you have to be everything for everyone. And if it's not perfect, how, how, what? how could you not? you know, have a pristine house and a perfect marriage with, you know, with a good career or be the perfect housewife. That's not acceptable. So I think there is a lot of pressure on women to do everything for everyone. Uh, and this, again, passed down from generations upon generations. I'm sure my mother, your mother, <laughs> the mother's of your listeners had it worse mm. they had more pressure in different ways but they had it harder in many ways than we have so you you do we do pass it on i want to talk about your clinical hypnotherapy because i think people probably don't understand what hypnotherapy is and how it can help them and if it can support them with their confidence can you talk to me a little bit more about your clinical hypnotherapy please yeah so Hypnosis is a state natural to humans. We go in and out a hypnosis state. 
all day, every day. So uh, how to spot hypnosis? Uh, well, or hypnosis examples would be when you are reading a book and you didn't realize that someone was calling you, calling your name. And then you, oh my God, until they come and touch your, your shoulder. And they even make you jump a little. Oh my God, I didn't hear you. I've been calling you for ages. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. I was reading my book. Well, you were you were so focused on your book that nothing else existed, so to speak. So hypnosis is a state of deep focus. Now, when you combine it with therapy, hypnosis or hypnotherapy, it becomes focus with a purpose because you can direct that powerful state of great focus to the purpose that will be helpful in your life, to a purpose that will serve you better today. And how can hypnotherapy then support the other part of your work which is around work anxiety um hypnotherapy has many many benefits to the health to the health of your brain to the health uh, of your of your body is completely um easy to to achieve pretty much everyone can be hypnotized and that's because nobody hypnotizes you, you hypnotize yourself. So I don't hypnotize my clients. I use their hypnotic moments that are natural to them because we are all humans um, to help them fulfill their objective, to find the core of the problem. But more than that, to find the solution. So I use their hypnotic moments. I find I find them, or I I don't find them. I I identify them. I identify them, and I it's like a thread, and I investigate. I pick that thread, and I follow it, follow it, follow it. I investigate, and they and it all everything unravels. It is everyone is different, and it, it's it, it's amazing. So there's many many techniques that I, I use with hip, hypnosis but it's a it's a state where you the part the creative part of your brain is highly active is the equivalent as when you are sleeping and when you are dreaming so when uh, when when you, when we sleep that's the time that our brain takes to process everything filter information process catalog categorize understand discard yeah this is fine oh yeah i'm going to give a weird dream maybe she'll catch it <laughs> maybe she won't right is there is a subconscious um processing and filtering whilst the conscious mind we are sleeping but their subconscious mind never ever ever sleeps because remember that's how our survival primitive fight um, of or, or fight of <laughs> fight or flight instinct so that's when in your for example in your in your sleep you know the, the, the little creaks and noises of your own house 
if there is a new cricket in your house, you're sleeping, your conscious is sleeping, your unconscious will hear it and will wake you up. Mm. I don't know if that's happened to you. It's happened to me. (laughs) For sure. That's new. What's going on? Because that's we are always on alert. The subconscious is on the running like a well-oiled machine in the background, uh, making sure that everything is processed accordingly, according to your conscious instruction, that is. So hypnosis is exactly the same state. It's exactly the same state. So when you are in that state, when you when we are not talking to the conscious mind who has these fixed ideas, these thoughts, the thoughts are conscious. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So when we're, when we're not talking about these installed beliefs that if it's negative, pretty much it will be false. It's a false belief that you picked up somewhere, that somebody told you, you understood it, or, but it's not the real you. If it's unhelpful, it's not the real you. So when you bypass that conscious, yes, yes, you're telling me that, uh, I don't know, you you procrastinate. Yeah, that's fine. Now, subconscious, what do you really say? <laughs> what are you really trying to to do? Does, and is it clear? so you say people hypnotize themselves. So everybody, I suppose, when people come to you, they already know they're going to they they're seeking out hypnotherapy. Do you see big transformations in the work that you do because you you're able to switch off that conscious brain and really focus on what's going on deeply do you see big transformations in the work that you do yes tremendously Mm. tremendously and the transformations vary and the transformations take um, different shapes different times so I work a little bit different than most therapists so most therapists, you work with them session per session, and it's an hour session. I don't work like, like that. Mm. I have taken se- uh, therapy, especially du- during my training as a therapist years ago. I thought, but in one hour, I'm still venting. I'm still like, ah, especially someone like me, I, I sometimes talk too much. So I'm like, what? So then oh, next week, oh, gosh, I'll have to wait another week. How many is many weeks I need the result now it's like when you go to a dentist well with with a painful uh, rupture or root canal that needs to happen you want it out now not having to come back and do a little bit and yeah. see it, it healed and there's a little bit of scar and then do a little bit again dry there they put anesthesia again every time and do the same ritual and the actual work time is very little and you have to keep going back for months and months. I don't work like that. I My sessions are typically longer in a way that um, we will never be rushing for time. Time, we, we don't, I don't work by the clock. I don't want you as my client to be bound by the clock. Oh, I'm sorry, you are in tears, but... <laughs> 50 minutes are up bye no no I we, we stay there for as long as we need to unless my client has time commitments time pressures then we manage it differently but my sessions are usually 90 minutes two hours mm. 
two hours. So in one session, um, there's always a breakthrough. I still have not got to the point that there is no breakthrough because two hours of listening somewhat to the conscious mind, but listening more importantly, recognizing the subconscious when it picks the head, hey, here I am. Can you listen? And then when you listen to that, that has been, it's trying to tell you, don't take me to the gym in the morning, please. Or it, it, it makes you feel pain because it's trying to tell you something. Or it, it, it makes you, uh, I don't know. I, I can tell you a few of the um, recent clients. I had a client. Um, she was struggling with working out, getting back to her routine. And she said, I don't know. I, I just wish I could do my do it again. And I was, I can relate. <laughs> I, I, you know, after the pandemic and like everyone's routine changed upside down. So, so we started talking, we started talking. Well, have there been any changes? Yes. Well, no. Well, I moved across the country in the USA. Okay. Well, that seemed like a very big change from the forest to the beach. So there were a lot of things. So in talking to this, listening to the subconscious, paying attention to what her subconscious was saying when it was just popping in, popping in, popping out, popping in, popping out, following that thread. It turns out that she is not a morning person. And because she did not feel guilty about not going to the gym. But at the same time, she thought she should go to the gym. And then it was a problem. So I said, but how could it be a problem if you don't feel guilty about it? Please explain to me, how is that a problem? So then a, a, a little bit more um, chat around that, because she hates waking up early in the morning. And it turns out that she's not a morning person. And she had never considered that she could work out at any other time mm. in the day, in the evening, in the night, midday, afternoon, before before dinner, after dinner, and that she could do it in a different place. She had a, a, a very generous offer to do it in a very nice gym with a highly trained PT, and she had turned it down. Mm. She was, I'm going, I want to do that. I, I just feel the urge to, to do it now. I want, I want to book my appointment. So I said, that's okay. Go and book your appointment. I'll hold. You know, it took, and then she realized, well, I don't need to work out an hour. Why couldn't I work out three minutes, five minutes, maybe 15 minutes? Anything is better than nothing. So these are the realizations that they that they come. And she did it really quickly. She did it in about 40 minutes, it took her. And in that situation, was that because she she had a habit? It was a habit. She goes to the gym for an hour. She goes to a gym at this time of the day. She goes to this particular gym. Is that because she was so, um, I don't know, she was just so... I don't know the word, but she had such a strong habit that it was really hard for her to break. Yes, but in the end, uh, and this is something that I, we also discussed. So around health, she's very um, knowledgeable about health and she's just into nutrition. And I said, well, do you know, do you realize that uh, us as, um, as humans, part of our survival has depended on being morning people, but also night people? Mm. 
Not everyone is a morning people. Not everyone is a, is a night people. And that's very important. She was, what? I did not know that there were night people or that not everyone was morning people. I was, no. Because when we were cavemen, when morning people were uh, awake, they would keep watch on the night people who were still sleeping. And then morning people, well, because they're morning people, they need to go to bed earlier. I, I have friends who go to bed at 9 p.m. I don't understand that. But, you know, well, here I am. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, yeah, not really, I'm not a morning people. <laughs> so I just want to talk about the subconscious mind. So other than hypnotherapy, is there any way that people can access their subconscious mind? Just, I mean, yeah, is there a, is there a way that they can do that? Yes, you can also uh, access it. So in... By definition, as a hypnotherapy is using those hypnosis moments that occur naturally. In this conversation, Vanessa, you and I are coming in and out hypnosis all the time. So when someone asks you a question and you say, oh, I don't know, I've I've never thought about it before. Let me, I'll have to think about that. Or when you ask someone a question and you see that person has an itch mm. or they just fidget or move in, in, in the chair that's that's a some con- subconscious reaction it's it's the subconscious is like what that, there is a realization happening deep down that has nothing to do with the conscious mm. so we are all the time and there is many ways to access it or to be more aware of that so uh, i guess it's the same the same example that you can catch yourself easily when you have these moments one is reflected in your body so feelings are usually uh, reflected they're felt also physically not just as a feeling by definition but um they they, they can feel a sensation of warmth or vibration or pain or um, expansion, or being a bit cold, or you contract, or you expand in your body. So lots of things. Or you get itchy everywhere. Oh, when something is uncomfortable, people tend to just get Mm -hmm. like lots of um, imaginary rashes everywhere. So, or when you are uncomfortable or with something that you don't like it when you are getting into an anxiety nervous state usually stress comes in the jaw so people tend to uh, clench the jaw tightly usually people do it at night that's why they wake up with neck problems or with even with teeth molar problems um so it's just paying attention to 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 your body paying attention to just knowing that your subconscious mind is always can come afloat at any moment and the sole purpose is to help you just knowing that to me that's really comforting and just knowing that puts you in a better position to catch your unconscious moments better so and every time you catch a conscious moment oh what is this trying to teach me what what was that Uh, acknowledging it just acknowledging it 
even that, and it becomes a habit. And with everything, it compounds. The more you pay attention to your subconscious, to the messages that you, that the therapist in you is trying to do for your own good, for your own benefit, the more it will keep on doing it. I love what you said about what is this trying to teach me? Mm-hmm. Because it, it seems like the, the body or the mind is really is trying to nurture and teach and help us grow. But sometimes we fight against it. But I love what you said. You know, what is this teaching me? What can I learn from yeah. this feeling or this yeah. thought? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Even when you pose good questions, you'll have answers. Because then when you pose a question, the right question, your mind will, the immediate reaction and the purpose of your mind is to give you answers, is to give you solutions. The solutions can be imperfect if your question is imperfect. If your question is, why does everything wrong have to happen to me? Why me? Then the mind is going to say, why? Well, because you got late. Because you always do that, because you can't do anything right, it, it will give you an endless list of why things go wrong, right? But if instead of why questions, so get out of your, stop asking why questions. When you talk to your, to your mind, never ask why, because why equals excuses. And excuses, it's an answer. But is it helpful? No. Is it a solution? Far the opposite. So it will take you far away from a solution. So never ask yourself why. A better question to ask is always how. How can I do this? How can I earn more money quicker? How can I earn more money in a way that I enjoy it? How can I increase my income in 12 months? How? Mm. So the logical answer your mind is going to find for you. How? All right. Well, maybe you can do this, this, that. And those are the ideas you have in the shower. And those are the ideas that you have when you are, um, I don't know, doing the dishes or after your meditation, or after you finish your exercise, if you exercise, because you are in how, 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 how can I do this in a way that fits mm. with my family commitments, in a way that makes, contributes to my joy, in a way that I feel free. Well, that's the other, that's the other condition. Your mind doesn't know negatives. So if you say to your mind, how do I do that in a way that I don't get angry or that I don't get stressed? Your mind doesn't know negatives. It just doesn't understand it. If I tell you now, do not think about a pink lion. Do not think about a pink lion. How do you, how can you make it now to not think about a pink lion? What do you do? You they don't, it just <laughs> gets like completely ignored. And your mind is trying to bring you the solution, which is a pink lion, because the negative doesn't even register. So it's, so it's, it's about how we phrase things. Never say, say ask the question as why. 
always ask the question on how can I, people say, I don't know if I will cope. No, the question is, how can I cope in the best way? Don't add negatives. <laughs> that sounds strange. Do not add negatives. But uh, ask it in um, in the productive, in the in the almost result oriented. How can I increase my income and have my time back and enjoy my family and have free time and enjoy my life? Or how can I have increase my income and do this? So do not say without stressing or, and I don't want to be that. So mm. it's always phrased. I wouldn't say positively, but it's phrased towards the motion, towards the result that you are really trying to get. That is a brilliant piece of advice around stop asking yourself why questions yes. and, and flip it to say, well, how am I going to do this? I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we wrap up the conversation, what's your one piece of advice that you can give to women who are listening to you and think, um, how can I become more confident? What's your one piece of advice? I mean, you've given us lots already, but um, what's your sort of summing up? Just flow with the fear. If you're afraid, do it with fear. The more you do it, the fear will change. It won't be as big. You will see, oh, I could have done that. Oh, is that, was, that was that all? <laughs> right, next. That was, it wasn't as scary as, it, as, it, as I thought. Or it could be very scary, even scarier than you thought. Who knows? You will find out until you, you do it. But it will always be worth it. Mm. It's better to fail than to regret yeah. always so i would I say just navigate agree. with the fear navigate with the fear fail yeah. don't regret well fabulous thank you so much olivia for sharing all your thoughts and your experience and your life with us i mean it's been incredible and we've been talking for an hour i don't know whether you're aware oh of that God. i know it suddenly <laughs> goes so quickly it so, felt like 10 minutes <laughs> well thank you so much for joining us and i know it's really late now in the uk it must be about 11 o'clock at night so um <laughs> hopefully you can go to bed now so thank you so much for joining us and i hope you've enjoyed it oh pleasure thank you very much for having me thank you so much for listening to women in confidence and i hope you enjoyed it if you did then please like it share it comment on it and if you want to sponsor it if you'd like to take part in my podcast or know somebody who would make a perfect guest, then please email me on contact at vanessa-murphy.com. That's contact at vanessa-murphy.com. Until next time.